Good morning. Good morning, Rabbi Tai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated uh, in loving memory of their beloved father, Solomon Sion, sponsored by Laura and Mauricio Sion. Also uh, dedicated uh, for the Fuashama and successful surgery for Abraham Ben Simi. And Rafuashima for Rabanit Khana Farhi Khana Batsimafega, sponsored by Gilad Amir. Breakfast in the class dedicated in love memory of Mrs. Lily Safra, her philanthropy has reached so many throughout the entire world. And finally, the week of Kobu is sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. My friends, let us begin. The Pasuk tells us about one other group of people that comes forward to donate to the, to the Beit HaMikdash. We've discussed the men, we've discussed the women, and who else is left? The Pasuk tells us there was one other group of people that donated to the Mishkan. Ve'hanisiim, Heviu, and the, uh, the leaders of the tribes, the princes of the tribes, brought et avneha shoham ve'et avneha miluim, the stones for the shoulders of the Kohen uh, Gadol and for the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. These precious stones were the gifts of the Nisiim. The Chachamim tell us that either they had them from Egypt or they had them from the, from the Biza, from the, the spoils of the Yamsuf when the Egyptians were drowned in the Yamsuf and the, the water uh, washed up all of the precious stones and metals that they brought with them into war. That's how they used to go into war, bedecked in, uh, in all of their splendor, if you will. Okay, So the Nisiim brought the Avne Shoam and the Avne Milum, the precious stones. However, there's something interesting about, uh, uh, about this word, Veha Nisiim. The Chachamim point out, if you take a look at the Torah, you'll see that the name Veha Nisiim is spelled missing Yud. Nisiim would be Nun, either Nun Yud, Sin, uh, Aleph Yud Mem, right? Or Nun, Sin, Aleph Yud Mem. Either way, there's either two yuds or one yud, but definitely not no yuds. Instead, what do we have over here? We have two chiriks, we have a nisi'im without a single yud. It's still written the same way, pronounced the same way, but without any of the yuds, without any of the, uh, uh, those letters in it. And the Chachamim explained that we took out the pasuk, removed the yud to illustrate the fact that the nisi'im behaved in a way which was inappropriate. They did not act with enough enthusiasm, with enough, with enough uh, vigor, with enough excitement, and they made instead an alternate statement. What statement did they make? They said, let's wait. When Moshe is raising the money from all of the Jewish people, all the materials, all the gold, silver, copper, you know, etc., etc., let the Jewish people give whatever they give, and whatever's left over will make up the difference. That's what the Nisim said. Turns out, what happened? The Jewish people gave... And uh, they gave in a beautiful way. There was nothing left to give. Suddenly the Nisim realized that they had enough gold, they had enough silver, they had enough copper, they had enough uh, wood, they had enough uh, string, wool, linen, sorry, wool, linen, leather, uh, oil, spices. Every single thing was done. The only thing left for them <clears throat> were these precious stones that only they had. My friends, the Pasuk is telling us <clears throat> that these Nisim were punished by the removal of the Yud from their name. Now, I want to, for one second, take a look at this. I, I ask you, if I have a project, let's say, you know, the synagogue is connected with a, a youth minyan, 
We have a youth minyan in the Beit Knesset. We have the Chazak program that we run here in the community, uh, in the evenings, in the, in the weekends, in the schools. In the... Imagine, I come to you, I say, I want to raise money for the youth minyan. I need to raise money for the Chazak program. I need to raise money for a wedding for a, for a yatom, for an orphan. How much is it? $50,000, a million dollars. The guy says, listen, you go collect whatever you get, and whatever's left over, come to me. I'll give the guy a hug. What an unbelievable backstop. Fantastic. I would say that this guy's incredibly generous. And yet, if you look at the Nisim over here, chaser, they're considered like they're lacking. Why are they lacking? What they did was actually uh, incredibly generous. It was, uh, it was a beautiful thing. And the Chachamim point out something unbelievable over here. And, and, and perhaps allow me to phrase it in a little bit of a nuanced way. Things that we do are not either good or bad. There's many different flavors in between, and many different shades in between good and bad. You have a person, so he comes to pray, he comes late. So you can look at it and say, I came late. Or you can look at it and say, the guy came. You have a guy who prays, but he doesn't pray with kavanah. Fine, but he prayed. You have a guy who comes to shul, spaces out the whole tefillah. He came to the shul, even if he didn't pray one word. You have a guy who came to the Beit Knesset, he's sitting outside talking to his friend, he didn't even walk into the shul, but he came to the building. A person could always find something that's good. So the Torah is looking at the Nisi'im and telling us that they, they came along and they made this very generous offer. But you know what? They didn't come first. The Pasuk is not telling us here that there was nothing good about what the Nisi'im did. It's asking us something very specific. It's telling us that the Nisi'im were generous, but they did not fulfill their purpose and their function. What are the Nisi'im? Leaders. They're princes. They're the ones that everybody looks to. It can't be that the Nisi'im should be at the back of the line. Let me, I just want to say this, because I think this is so important. What is the primary function of a leader? By definition of the, of the name, is to lead. So although the Nisi'im, had, they did something that was very generous, but the Nisi'im are not called Nidivim, which means donators, donors. They're called Nisi'im leaders. It can't be that you're a leader and you say, let's see what everyone else gives and I'll give at the end. That's the idea of removing the Yud from their name. And I love this, by the way, because if you speak Hebrew, you'll know that the placement of letters, <clears throat> the placement of letters within a word can change, or the pronunciation of a word can change the word to mean exactly the opposite of what it means with, some, with one letter, one interpretation. Let me give you an example. Nisa'um means... But nisa'u means carried them. Right? Nisi'i means leaders of. The Pasuk is telling us here that the people carried their leaders. It's leaving the Yuds out because nisa'um could not be read into the word if you had the Yuds there. You understand what I'm trying to communicate? My friends, why am I saying this? I'm not only teaching leaders a role that they have to lead from the front, that they need to be a good example. 
I'm not only saying that. Although that is true. I have a dear friend who got me to wear a helmet on my scooter. For the longest time, I did not wear a helmet. I'm mentioning my sins today. I didn't always wear a helmet. I didn't. What am I going to tell you? I didn't. I didn't always wear a helmet. So the guy comes to me, dear friend, and he says, listen, you're a role model in everything that you do except for one thing. I'm like, whoa, what was that? What was that? He goes, you don't wear a helmet. He says, and even though I know that maybe you're confident in your skill as a scooter operator, he says, are you confident in the skill to ride a scooter in every kid in the community that will look at their rabbi and say, if it's good for the rabbi, it's good for me? How are you going to feel if one of them, Barmanan, has an accident and a terrible situation and they learned to ride a, hel- a, a scooter without a helmet from you? The next day, I had a helmet. A leader needs to lead. My friends, you don't have to be a rabbi to be a leader. If you're the boss at your work, you're the leader. And this is interesting, because a lot of times people don't think of it that way. I'm the boss, I have to tell people what to do, they're accountable to me. But I'm not accountable to them. People today think that a boss in an office at work means that I'm in charge. Everyone responds to me. But I also, as a boss, I have a responsibility to my workers. When people see the way you treat the company, you treat the company's time, what do they learn from you? That that's how they can treat the company's time, the company's resources. Especially if the company doesn't belong to the boss. It belongs, it belongs to the public, or it belongs to a family office, or it belongs to you and partners. You can't take those liberties with the money of the business. You can't take liberties with what it means to put in an honest day's work, which means not spending your time doing whatever you want, whenever you want. That's what a leader is. But my friends, a father is a leader. A mother is a leader. An older brother and an older sister is a leader. Because ultimately people look to you. Says the Pasuk over here. Here, the ones that were supposed to carry actually were getting carried by the people themselves. And it's true, by the way, in the end, what did the Nisim give? Avne Shoam Avne Meluim. You tell me. Go look at the list of things that you have in, in donating to the Mishkan. Is there anything more expensive on that list than the precious stones? So what are we dumping on them for? They gave the most. It's not always about, my friends, giving the most. It's also about giving in a way where you create a culture of giving. I've uh, often spoken about this in the Beit HaKneset. You know, people like to give in the Beit HaKneset. You go up to the Sefer Torah and Shemit Nadev, you give a donation. So some people say, And really, what are they going to do? They're going to give a donation afterwards. And they think, is the right thing to do. You know why? Because I don't have to announce my donation publicly. I hear that. I love the sentiment of being, you know, humble with the money that you offer. But a lot of people hear Matanati Adon, they think you're giving nothing. And the same way that the Kohen rule applies, that if the Kohen gives 1,001, the overwhelming majority of the donations running through the Sefer Torah 
are going to be 1,001. And if the Kohen gives 101, then the Levi, Israel, Revi'i, Hamishi, Mashlim, etc., all going to give 101. There's a crazy thing that happens with human beings where we play follow the leader. We mimic that which came before us. If the point of tzedakah is to give funds to the Beit Knesset, to those that are not wealthy, to Yitomim Almanot, to schools, to mikvah, to all the great causes that there are out there. I want to ask you, what's more important? Their needs and your ability to influence those needs? Or you having your ability to give your tzedakah in private? Give 101 and then go tell Haron that you're going to give more. But the same Matanati Adon, my friends, there's a reason why I never heard those words growing up ever. If you could only afford $18, you gave $18. Every bar mitzvah boy gave $18, $10 even. I remember once a kid going up and he gave $2. And, and the boys in the, in the youth, in the team in Yan, they're asking, they're like, $2? And the boy turned around, he says, you guys didn't remember Rabbi's class? I'd given them a class that week on nidarim, on keeping and fulfilling your word. And he said, I don't know how I spent all my money. I only wanted to give two. That's all I had left this week. I go up next week, maybe I'll give something else. But all I had left to give, I pledged what I could give. I gave the guy a kiss on his forehead. Pledge what you could give. Pay your pledges. Nisi'im means that we live our lives with a million and one opportunities to lead. And when we don't do the right thing from the front, what happens behind us is people follow suit. And I always think to myself, what is this going to look like in Shamayim? In heaven, I kind of feel like you're going to walk into a court case. I don't know if you've ever... Has anyone ever been to court? And they announce the courts? They announce the, the, the case? You know, the guy, the, the bailiff, is it the bailiff? The bailiff says the case of Shlomo Fari versus the state of New York in the matter of parking tickets. <laughs> right? Or whatever the case might be. Yeah, and then you stand up and they hear the case. Could you imagine, you get to Shamaim and God's going to say, the case of Shlomo Fari versus the state of New York in the matter of eating a ham sandwich. And I'm gonna say, what? Never in my life. And they're gonna say, play the video, he's denying it. And then they're gonna show some eye eating a ham sandwich. And I'm gonna say, that's, that's not me. And then God and the heavenly court's gonna say, rewind the video more. And you're gonna have me walking in and going to buy a Coca-Cola. And then they're going to zoom in on the guy who watched me go into the store and said to himself, oh, Rabbi Fahi was just eating in here. And then they're going to have the guy walk in, sit down to his ham sandwich. Must be faking if Rabbi Fahi was in here. My friends, that's what leadership is. Leadership means that you don't only look at yourself, you're looking also at what follows behind you. And always is someone going to follow behind you. By the way, it's not just older brothers, it's not just rabbis, it's not just parents. Look what happens when you're on the train or you're on the bus. Someone walks on the train. I'm not talking about someone with a walker. Someone who's a little bit older. And the subway today, no one cares, no one moves. 
But watch what happens if you've ever been on a train and one person gets up for that person. The next guy that walks on has three people getting up for him. It's amazing. You all know on the subway, there's a halakha, mefureshet, shulchan aruch. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. Right? And the shach adds, and he's not even supposed to make eye contact. But before that, you go look at it in the shulchan aruch. It's a law. Can't talk. No one said anything. No one talked. No one communicated. But that's how it works. Watch it. You'll see. A guy walks in onto the, into the Beit Knesset, and he's asking for money. And people go like this. The first guy goes like this. What does everyone else say? The first guy digs in. He's having a conversation. What happens to the next guy? They follow the suit. We don't even have to communicate in order to lead. So my friends, the Pasuk is telling us that the Nassim here missed the treat. They missed the trick. And even though in the end they gave the most expensive object, they missed the chance. Because if they'd given that object in their pole position from where they were supposed to, then the giving of the Jewish people, even though it doesn't even seem possible, would have been even more generous. The last thing I want to point out is that in order to be able to do this, we skipped the letter Yod. And I saw something beautiful. There's two animals. What is considered, what's the slowest of the animals? The tortoise, the turtle. Right? What's the fastest of the animals? Deer. Deer. Where do we find that? The Mishnah and Avot. Right? Heve. Come on. Azkanamer. Rats. Katsvi. Runs like a deer. Rabotai, the word is a deer. You know what the word for a tortoise or a turtle is? Tzav. The difference between a turtle and a deer is a yud. There's something very small that differentiates a tzav and a tzvi, and that's the letter yud. Why? Because you have two people. One person who does something hesitant, in a hesitant way, in a slow way, that's the tzav. But if you add one ingredient, everything else is the same. Reaching in your pocket, deciding to give the money, walking across the bed, can I say it? All the rest of the things are the same. There's one tiny difference. That tiny difference is zirizim, makdimin, mitzvah. Let me tell you where we learn this halakha. Ideally, when a person does, a, what's it called? When they do a brit milah, when is the brit milah supposed to be done? On the eighth day. The halakha is that ideally a brit milah should be done as soon as you can on the eighth day. Really, it should be even nets. Why? Because we're rushing to do the mitzvah. Today, there's already a practice where people will do a brit milah right before shkiah, at the end of the day. And what's the reasoning? Because it's more convenient. It's easier. People going to work, they can come back. You do a brit in the morning, how long can people stay? They can't enjoy it. So you know what? The custom has now become, people started doing brit milah at the end of the day. My friends, that's not how it's supposed to be done. That's not ideal. Now, there are cases where it's justified. I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a scenario where the guy's whole family is not going to be able to make the Brit Milah. So he's weighing up the fact that on the one hand, he has Zerizin Makdimin for the Mitzvah of Milah. On the other hand, he has Kibud Ava'im from his parents. His father, his mother are not going to be there. 
So you have to weigh up one mitzvah against the other mitzvah, against doing it the proper way. But my friends, that should be a hard decision. It's not a no-brainer to do it in the afternoon because it's more convenient. Convenience is something that you apply to things you don't really care about. When am I going to do it? Oh, it's not that important. At your earliest convenience. Right? Could you imagine you went on Amazon Prime? You could get it instantly or at your convenience. You know, sorry, at the delivery guy's convenience. Which are you going to choose? Well, it depends on how important the product is. When something's important, you want it now. My friends, what better way is it to show HaKadosh Baruch Hu how important the mitzvot that he's giving us are than to conquer our atzlut, our laziness, and to rush and to do something quick. To run to the Beit HaKneset. Not to have a leisurely stroll. To run to do a mitzvah. To try and be the first person in the minyan or to try and be the first person in, in an event or to try, excuse me, at a, uh, at, a, at a charity event. To try and be that person. The Chachamim taught us an incredible lesson. I'll end with this. You know, the opposite of zirizut, of uh, excitement, of alacrity, is atzlut. What does atzlut mean? Laziness. Our rabbis saw atzlut not just as a less impressive way to do the mitzvah. There's do the mitzvah best, and there's do the mitzvah lazy. They, they saw it like a cancer. They saw it like a poison. They tell an amazing story about uh, a certain rabbi. His name was uh, the rabbi from Vorka. One night, he's in his bed, and he realizes, you know, he could really use a little bit of, uh, what's it called, of a snuff. They used to have snuff, they would smell the, the old timers, right? They smell, and the point is, you're then you're able to sneeze like a champ, and you clear out all your sinuses, and they have them smelling good. They walk around in Israel today, they have these little boxes, and you see everyone's like sitting, and they're, choo! Right in the bed, and said, sorry for all those in the recording, that was very loud, okay? But, you know, that's, that, that. anyway, one night, he's in his bed, and he remembers that the snuff is in the kitchen. The rabbi is faced with a dilemma. If he gets out of bed to go to the kitchen to get it, he's letting his desire for something motivate him, get him out of bed. If he doesn't get out of bed, he's letting his atzlut, his laziness, keep him in bed. So what did the rabbi do? He got out of bed, went to the kitchen, and came back without getting any snuff. Now, I remember reading this story the first time, and I read it with a little smile on my face. Because it's cute, but it sounds mad, doesn't it? It's cute, but it sounds mad. But the truth is, the way you understand this story is by understanding that for them, to stay in bed was not an option. To allow the Yetzirah to have one inch when it came to laziness for Torah, it's it's too hard. One time, it was going to be planting a seed that would spread to all other things. So the Yetzirah and Atzlut could never be allowed in the front door. Not one time. Even if I'm not going to get what I want. They tell a story about a rabbi used to go to the mikveh every morning before he prayed. And his father asked him, he said, I see you have a cold. Do me a favor, it's cold outside. Please, I don't want you to dip in the mikveh. The rabbi would walk to the mikveh and then walk back to shul. Why? Because on the one hand, he wanted to go to the mikveh. On the other hand, he wanted to listen to his father. But he didn't want to be lazy and not go, right? Stay in bed the extra 20 minutes, a half hour that he didn't need. So what did he do? He 
He walked in a mikveh and then he listened to his father. Now, I'm not telling you to make unnecessary trips in life. What I am telling you is, if a person wants to be the best that they can be, their hand should be the first hand up. The first hand to volunteer. If the rabbi says, uh, can someone go around, speak to some people about we're trying to you know, sort this problem out, the, fir- the first person. We're looking for someone to arrange before you even hear the end. Remember in Jeopardy, where the guy does the buzzer before the question's over, right? He's it. I'm, I'm ready. I have the answer. Hashem should bless us that that should be us. In every possible scenario. If someone said, I have two tickets to, and you're like, before he even tells you where, it's two tickets. What do you think to yourself? The very worst? Where's it going to be? Free. I'll give them away. My friends, every mitzvah, every opportunity is a zechut. If the Beit Knesset, the rabbi, is asking for volunteers, what's he asking for volunteers for? A mitzvah. Before, before you even finish, rabbi, the answer is yes. Hashem should bless us to be people that are motivated that way. Our children should see us. The world should see us. The community should see us. And then suddenly people step up. In a Bet Knesset in Brooklyn, where everybody, I see everybody, every Bet Minyan has 16 people who are on the board of that Minyan. Every, what's it called, every uh, event that they're running, there's 17 ladies that are in charge of that thing. You know what happens? Once people start learning that there's a women's guild for this, and there's a women's guild for that, and there's Shai and Ariella running the event for the young professionals, and then this one's doing something, suddenly people realize we need, we need people to step up. And in that moment, people reach out and say, Rabbi, what could I do to be involved? How could I help the community? And it comes from them before the question even comes. May Hashem bless us to be Nisi'im with the Yud. Baruch Adonai